Hello, listeners, my old friends. I'm here to podcast with you again. I'm Eliza Jansen. <laughs> I'm Noah Jansen. I'm Meg Jansen. Welcome to Twin Fix. Gosh, I love movies. Before we begin today, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which myself, Meg and Anthony are now recording, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. And we also acknowledge the Gadigal of the Eora Nation as the traditional custodians of the place we now call Sydney, which is where I'm recording from today. Welcome to Twin Picks. It's the show where a pair of actual real-life human twins and also me make a double feature out of two movies that we think share some kind of spiritual similarity or relationship. How are you guys going today? Good, but I'm weirded out. Why are you in, in Sydney? What do you mean you're in Sydney? You're in LA. Uh, what, no, what do you mean? No, 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 no. Silly, silly boy. I flew 14 <laughs> hours um, and got multiple COVID tests to come back to Sydney in order to come back to Melbourne. So I'm not fully home, but I'm almost there. So close. She's in quarantine in Sydney. We're so so excited to see you in Arena. And yet so far. Yeah. Exactly. Um, How you feeling all cooped up inside, punk? How you doing? (laughs) I mean, oh, it's not that different from like, you know, the whole last year. Like (laughs) I've been indoors the whole time anyway. It's not like a huge change or something. Yeah, um, totally. I wanted to yeah. say as well, Noah, I love listening to how good was the last episode with just Nora and Darcy. Oh. Yeah, it was so funny. Wise. Thank I you. I really loved we were- how <laughs> you mentioned the title of the movie, It's Complicated So Much. Like you kept saying like the reason it's so complicated is just like it it's really complicated. is complicated. It's complicated. But equally with something's got to give the whole movie, I was just like oh, something really does have to give yeah. for Jack Nicholson. <laughs> is it ever going to give? Something's got to give. Again, the titles, the parent trap doesn't have that quality really. You can't really be like, oh. This parent the trap parent is trap. just doesn't I'll really be happen. honest, I was a little bit nervous about the idea of you and Darcy being like oh, un like tethered. Un, yeah, truly. tethered during a conversation. Like if someone else was here. Because you guys, when you talk with each other, you're like We're screaming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> conversation i'm like can't keep up we it's so it's it's actually one of the most like endearing relationship moments uh we so like the episode came out on the morning and we were both like really excited for it and stuff and then like as we i don't know what we were doing that night but she came to pick me up and as i got in the car we both at the exact same time were like did you listen to the episode? And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we both apologized for being like, I feel like I spoke over you a lot. <laughs> we're like, oh, how it's sweet. Just both so we both excited did by each other's. But like, we immediately what both the other that person are. is saying. Oh, exactly. You're like, I have to speak now about what you're speaking no, but about. But now I have like, a thought. We so it should both speak. Yeah, because yeah. 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 we're all saying You're good. That's fine. Exactly. We're like, just they know Like, exactly. You guys are just so comfortable knowing that you agree on the same points and just talking at the same time about the same thing. Oh yeah, we have like a dual conversation but it's not like one person <laughs> says their thing the other person says their thing they can kind of just happen alongside each other and you know you're in agreement <laughs> you know what doing. I don't know if it makes a good podcast listening but it was very fun I thought it, it, it was it a does. fun episode oh that's sweet mm. thank you I don't think yeah. I've ever felt like 
more comfortable as a third wheel like because like, I think I don't uh, need to say anything. yeah I was this just like okay. this is so gonna just take care of itself I can just be like sitting on the other side of this table like, like once okay. per oh, half hour so just so like for something we third wheel people a lot so that's good to hear and now we've had two of the couples we need no Megan I don't Lou. think Luke but what's his favorite he's told me he's very what movie, movie would you do I remember um, he Megan really loves rom-coms. My boyfriend, yeah, he loves rom-coms. That's you beautiful. You've got to do them. Uh, but he likes the really corny ones. Like, yeah, She's All off. That, he loves that movie. She's All That is great. Wait, he's like, when oh, we first I was started thinking she's seeing the man. each other. Oh he loves She's he All was That. Like, you haven't seen She's, she's All that. that and She's the Man. It's with Freddie whatever. Yeah, with Freddie Prince. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, oh he God, loves it. And he was like, it was like I hadn't ever seen like Susan Kane. He was like, wait, He's you like, haven't seen She's All That? Seen she's all that? What? He's Maddie like, Lil you haven't seen the hacky movie. sack dramatic thing <laughs> that she does yeah. at like a beatnik poetry house? <laughs> exactly. Oh, but yeah, yeah I don't know. Cool. Maybe he will. I haven't ever put it to him. I know he's a bit of a listener when he's on the tools at work. He listens oh, to the podcast. So. He's quite the podcast fiend as well. Yeah, he, he loves his He loves podcasts. his pods. Yeah, he does. Yeah, so maybe, Luke, if you're listening, you're getting the call up. Good to hear, buddy. It's time. It's fun. I've just generally enjoyed recently that we've been mixing it up every now and then and stuff. Yeah, it's I nice think having it's fresh, fresh faces on the podcast. We've got a bunch of people lined up that we want to get. Oh, exactly. Get in here, get mm-hmm. talking to, I don't some want chatty to, cappies. You want some new friends. I want to keep it a secret, but <laughs> you might have heard of a little man called Mr. De Niro. Oh, shut oh. up. Don't say that. We're going to get got like connections a in high places. Naughty <laughs> grandpa, bad grandpa. Yeah, Martin exactly. De Niro. Is he bad grandpa or dirty he's, grandpa? He's, he's dirty grandpa, he's actually. Dead. Okay, sorry. Like, let me just say this joker is a real interesting guy. He's going to rise like a phoenix. Into <laughs> like an intern through the ranks. No, I moved over to Joaquin Phoenix, Phoenix, but then that's very good as well. Oh. It's almost going to be like an intern on the podcast. <laughs> okay, wow. good, 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 good. good. Uh, <laughs> so we're finally from going doing. About, after yeah, you I was going to say we've talked about some beautiful relationships that have a lot of harmony, people who belong Mm. together. Mm. And Mm. so today we're going to lead on from that and talk about two relationships (laughs) that from the outside might seem a bit dysfunctional. The Graduate and Harold and Maud, both films where a young dude in the late 60s, early 70s shacks up with an older woman to the surprise and the scandal Mm. of everyone in his life. And have you guys seen Mm. both of these movies in the past? Um, I know The Graduate really well. It's one well. of your favourites, isn't it? It's one it, of mate? my favourite movies. I love The Graduate. Um, mm. Ew, Dustin Hoffman. But, yeah, I love The Graduate, yeah. so I knew really well. But I'd never heard of Matt Harold and Maud and I hadn't seen it and I really enjoyed watching it. Um, it was nice mm. to – I didn't realise that that was the – like it, it does share a lot, even just tonally in some ways, although The Graduate is definitely more serious. But, um, I agree. Yeah, it's, a it's very sort of specific, existentialist in a lot of ways. Uh, to- how specific are. is that tone to it? You don't really – because, like – I yeah equally I, I I was quite late to the graduate I only watched it for the first time last year but it was fun to have like a nice recent rewatch as well because one of those ones that I feel like will be fun to always kind of come back to and see how I feel mm. about it um but I'd always wanted to watch Harold and Maud so that was I had two very different experiences and like one of these was like an interesting revisit and seeing how it feels with me now and then the other one was like discovering something and being like oh wow this is like really fun like really interesting watch I think um 
I, I generally just love like a very neurotic, quite young male character. Like mm. that element of both these like leading men, I I really liked. Like I found them very interesting. Yeah. And I loved also mm. the similarity in um, scores. Like they were very, both had like, yes. you know, folky scores from like a singular artist. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. We too. should point out like the graduate is the one that everyone will have seen. This was like, you know, one of those movies, as soon as it came out, everyone was like, it's the film for our generation. And the Mm. soundtrack by Simon and Garfunkel was a huge part of that. Um, And then Harold and Maud came out a little bit later in 1971 and critics hated it, did not make much money. (laughs) The um, Sufjan, I was about to say Sufjan Stevens. Sufjan. The Cat Stevens. Sufjan. The Cat Stevens soundtrack. Um, yeah, it's his dad. That would have been interesting. Oh, I just it went is? to know. Like, no, I no. Like, did a little like. <laughs> yeah, she was like, no, it's like, not. A little, no, oh, thought, I'm that's sorry. So I did not interesting. know that. You can totally. We tell. went to a Cat Stevens concert. Don't you think he would have said, "Oh, my little sad son, Sufjan"? <laughs> he. Wait, so it is. So it is or it isn't. <laughs> it is isn't. It isn't. <laughs> It oh, isn't. No. What, what, what are you doing? I, I thought you said so. it was. I think I'm just kidding. Like, okay, it, I'm just trying to. It have would fun. make sense oh. if he I'm was sorry. though. They're both a very similar, like sad, folky vibe. Oh, I yeah, feel that would work. I feel sad. I'm sad because that momentarily was like a really interesting that thing to interesting know, to and now it's been robbed from my life. Eliza, what's wrong with you? Go back to America. It's not true. Well, the COVID changed you. So apparently, the main reason you can, the main way you can tell that they're not related is that. Cat Stevens is not Cat Stevens's name. It's, it's the artist's name. Yusuf? No, but his name yeah, is Yusuf. Yusuf Islam. Commonly known by his stage name, Cat that. Stevens. No, oh. he, his name actually was Cat Stevens. Oh. And then he changed it to Yusuf because he joined Islam. I thought it was the other way around. Oh, oh Anthony. We You'd all look so, like yeah. fools. Pie on all of our all, collective faces. Oh, no. All <laughs> these music boys at the table, truly not knowing their no stuff. music knowledge. There you go. Wow. I haven't heard any music before 2010, so that's my excuse. <laughs> really? What do you mean? That's what so did interesting. you do for the first, like, I'm trying to think I realise that. Your music taste being very present. I'm a bit, like, I'm, I am times. exaggerating, but, like, no, not that, that much. You. Arcade Fire's album, whatever it's called, The Suburbs, just brought him to life in 2010. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Like work him out like a robot. One hundred percent. Music exists now. If it ain't Imagine Dragons, I'm not there, baby. <laughs> this is a terrible <laughs> conversation <laughs> to listen to. I hate this for us. Okay, yeah. so Anthony, they do need you to like, do a, are you the graduate esque into... film with Imagine Dragons as the, as the music? <laughs> like an Imagine Dragons. Doesn't often like floating in the pool as like radioactive. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Anthony, so you're not that into like 60s-y kind of folky um, singer-songwriter stuff? I'm like I'm into uh, like Simon and Garfunkel when I hear it, but it's not it's mm. not what I seek out most of the time. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Right. Well, I was just going to say um, the Cat Stevens songs in Harold and Maud, like no one would say, oh, it's tea for the Tillerman like from cats, Harold and yeah. Maud. Like they're just Cat mm. Stevens songs. So. Mm. Yes, it will definitely True. be interesting to unpack the similarities and differences in these movies. Are you guys like ready to get going? Yeah, I'm let's crack super on. keen. Whoa, let's kick things off with the graduate. The Graduate came out in 1967, and it's quite an intensely 60s film. Um, mm. 
directed by Mike Nichols, who had already made some really great American drama in an era where um, adult American drama was not the best stuff being made by Hollywood. And it's also like the breakout role of Dustin Hoffman and Catherine Ross, who play these young lovers who kind of find themselves really trapped and repressed by their parents' expectation of them Mm. and sort of coming of age in this weird and uncertain and really uninspiring kind of adult society. Um, Something that I found so weird about reading up on this movie was that before Catherine Ross and Anne Bancroft were cast as um, Elaine and Miss Robinson, who the main character Benjamin has this huge fling with, Apparently Natalie Wood was asked if she wanted to play both the mum or the daughter. Yeah, like, how's I knew that, that possible? That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, I listened to the um Unspooled, uh, which is a really good oh, podcast cool. I've recommended before, episode on this, and they really talked a lot about how interesting it is that in the production, like it's such perfect casting, the idea of this like older woman who's like gorgeous, but clearly is at like a crisis or like a midway point. Mm in life and this is how she's reacting and like almost every person they were considering it's like was that even on your mind like why would you have cast someone that looks that young like all of that would be lost like none of that would be retained could you imagine anyone but Anne Bancroft in this role oh it's so perfect yeah so perfect for her she is so like chilling and cool as Mrs Robinson Mm. and it's so yeah interesting to see a woman at the point in her career where they are like oh you're gonna be like the older woman mm. seductress, she plays it so like subtly. Like she's so, um, mm. she's such a sophisticate. Like it's such an interesting portrayal. Like, ugh. and it's so well that it's not told through over. Like perfect example of like character fleshing out story, like performance fleshing out character instead of writing fleshing out character. Like yeah. I love that we don't see this character be like oh, my life's a mess and I'm going through blah, blah, blah. Or, like, there's no, like, br- like scene where she kind of breaks, breaks down. down. Or anything. It's, it's truly hoping, like, yeah. no, we are just having sex. I don't want to talk to it's you about your feelings. And anytime, her. exactly, anytime he tries to bring it out of her, she's like, I don't want to. And yeah. then the second that he starts to, like, yeah. it, it starts to be revealed and become too messy, she's, like, shuts it down. You know yeah. what I mean? She always kind of does what she said she was going to do, which yeah. is, like, we're just having sex. Any second you try to bring anything else into that, yeah. it's on you. I do not care about you. And that treatment like, of him throughout the film makes him even more of a little boy in our, like in mm. the audience's eyes than he is at the beginning when he's, you know, he's the graduate from college and stuff. And mm. she just consistently, like her design, how calculated she is in how she manipulates him and like the process of their relationship. It's mm. entirely sexual. That's it's nothing really more. It it makes him even more, like even less in our eyes than he was at the outset when he was already feeling really deflated and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like Absolutely. so much of the comedy of the film comes from Dustin Hoffman's performance of it's it's pretty comedic, like how it's played mm. him spurning her advances or being so anxious and Noah, like you said, this neurotic young guy when like she's this, hyper like glamorized super sexual upfront character um mm. is that something you guys kind of forget upon re-watching this movie I was like oh you know you you know that they get together but I always forget he really doesn't want to be involved with her at first he's saying let yeah. me out please I don't want to do this like yeah, yeah that's something that it, it, I don't doesn't come to my mind when I think of the graduate that it's this reluctant relationship that, at first yeah I think that the graduate because of the nature of even like 
you know, it's, it's like its place within like, I don't know, film history or like how we speak about it. Yeah. It's kind of misremembered. Like the graduate itself watching it, it's much more meditative. It's slower. It's more about like this period of really rife, like discontentment. The fact that it's set in like California and you have like the intersection of him being between mm. um like being at home and then going back to Berkeley, which is sort of this like hotbed for like political activism and student mm. life and stuff in America, like the, the whole times they life are and, changing, etc. Yeah, and especially of the era. And then he himself, Benjamin Barry, is experiencing all this discontentment, this personal discontentment and dissatisfaction with like the, you know, upper middle class of his yeah like, you know, homestead and stuff. And equally just the sentiment that it's like at this age, it's like, okay, time to decide where you're going to funnel yourself into capitalism. Like yeah. time to decide like where, 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 you where are you doing? Like p- time mm. to make the choices. Yeah. What are they? And he's That's like, I have no I idea who I am. I have no yeah. idea who I am. But that is so much more yeah. what the film is about than a, you know, controversial yeah. relationship that there was a huge age disparity and she seduces him. Yeah, so true. Whereas we think of it as Anne Bancroft with her legs crossed the and then she subtly yeah. I mean, that's on the crosses poster. her legs and that's the poster. Like the image of that, the song Mrs. Robinson by Simon and Garfunkel. And like you're trying to seduce That's how me, we remember it. That's yeah. how we speak about it, but it's not really what the film is. I think, and I think the inciting incident. A much more interesting, yeah, that's a much more interesting treatment. And we'll talk about it in Compare the Picks, but I think that's what I far prefer about The Graduate is the idea of being like, this movie knows that the almost like epidemic of what this idea is of being like young people not knowing who they are and then not knowing how to find themselves Mm -hmm. and then being encouraged at such a young age to like, you know, make so many like fine, like final Final infinite decisions for the rest of your life is messy and therefore he in this movie is so messy like I love there's something about again too much for we'll talk about in Harold and Maud but Harold and Maud is like quite a it kind of gets wrapped up in a a lot of a big bow he gets Mm. all his questions kind of answered and I think that the sentiment of this movie and particularly the most impactful moment for me being the ending of this movie is just like an all-time thing of being like yeah that is what our world does is like people are like, I, I just love the idea that in freeing himself from one shackle, goes he goes another. into another and doesn't even yeah. realise it. And it's like, actually, you've just leapt from one final thing to another and being like, no, mm. this is the person I love. This is the one. And mm. they bubble. And then, like, you get to the point where you're like, oh, I was so, it was just another version of me yeah. trying to lock Escape. something down. Yeah. Instead of like living every moment. So is I'm that like, your interpretation of that final? So we should just describe oh, yeah. for the listeners the point. final yeah. moment of the film. Um, Benjamin has interrupted Elaine's wedding to some buff. He's been fighting for the whole guy. second half of the movie. He's banging for her. like it's a whole yeah. It's this big climax where he's rushing through the streets of Cali yeah. like, um, and yeah. he gets to this really awesome like chapel with all the mod glass church the glass. Mod. it's like this weird mod yeah. yeah sb church and he's just bashing on the glass yelling alone alone mm. and it's like this huge climax she escapes the church with him they run away they, they fend get off their attackers with a crucifix yeah with the mm. crucifix like it's like, over no, the top it's very it's, it's really so like the a big almost silly cathartic moment 
Mm. A lot of the comedy yeah, in this film is so very, interesting, like the heightened level, but like it's still played with such a, a straightness a and like yeah. a melancholy somberness to it that makes it also like bleak and awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's bleak. It's so, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. existential. And then they get on the bus, they sit down and they're sort of laughing to each other. And it's that moment where you've been laughing so hard and then the laughter sort of runs out and you're kind of just sort of panting and you're both kind of like, uh uh-huh, this is funny. And then it dawns on them both, or at least from their expression, like what did we just do? So Noah, your interpretation of that moment is he's realising, and as well Catherine Ross, you think her character, Elaine? Yeah, I think so that they they were so, I think it's that desperation people have been like, I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm not going to be like all these unhappy people. I'm going to be different, blah, blah, blah. And they so desperately fought for that that when they get it, they realise actually they've kind of just done it in a different way of like they've just yet again tried to shack up and like lock everything down at mm. a point where they don't even know what what they want yet mm. like it's just mm. another reflection of the exact same thing like yeah. the whole second half of the movie to me is where like Dustin Hoffman's character gets so interesting because like the first half of the movie you've been like he's just really anxious guy yeah, he's this guy who like doesn't know what he wants to do in life and like I empathize with him so deeply and then through the circumstance of him having this affair that like he's kind of Again, he's coerced into to a degree and, like, although he's clearly engaging with it, it's confusing for him. The idea of something else other than that is so freeing to him that he falls in love with the idea of being in love as opposed to the person he's going to be in love Mm. with. Mm. Like, towards the end of the movie, you're like, oh, now he's being such, like, a little idiot. Like, he's being so, like, pathetic and, like, Mm. so selfish in his pursuit of happiness that, yeah, like, I don't know about you guys, but I feel so differently to him in the second half of the movie than I do in the first half of the movie when he's, like, mm-hmm. following her around Stalking the school. Her around and, Berkeley. and again, it's mm-hmm. the sad thing of being, like, oh, you're actually grasping at the right idea of being, like, why do we have to live life like this? Like, why? Because she is with, she's, she's uh, obviously with a new guy and he correctly observes, like, you don't want this, like, Mm. I know you don't, you are doing, like, you have to free yourself. You have to uh, pick me, which is like, it's so hard because like, yes, the sentiment of that is right, mm. but it doesn't come with or all, whatever you do, you have to pick yourself. Mm. It comes mm. with, be with me, be with mm. me. And it's like, no, the answer is you all need to do whatever you want to do. That's always been that what the answer is. Yeah. There's something yeah. so I think melancholy about this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think it's significant that um, Benjamin and Elaine they're the only characters of their age in the movie, right? Like, yeah. I mean, they have yeah. friends mm-hmm. and stuff that show up incidentally, but apart from that, all the characters are their parents or friends of their parents, which is why it's so funny yeah. when Benjamin says, she's like, you don't think I'm hot, Miss Robinson? And he's like, no, 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 you're the most attractive of all my parents' friends. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, those are the only <laughs> characters in this movie, like the older generation. And then yeah. as soon as Elaine shows up and pays him the slightest bit of attention and doesn't seem to want to make choices for him like everyone else. He tells her, you're the first person I've ever felt happy and comfortable with. It's like you've just been talking at her after like humiliating her at a strip club. (laughs) Like they, there's nothing, you don't ever really see why they love each other or connect so deeply. It's pretty much just like who else could they be with? Well, they, yeah, and it is even at just like the most base level, if you were watching this movie and thinking about it from that perspective, you would watch it and 
everyone has had that experience of being in a room of people. You're like, I don't want to be here. Like a family function Mm. or you're with some random family, friends, parents or something. And there's only one other person in that room feasibly you should be connecting with because they're like your age or you share something in common. And both of you are kind of like, I guess you'll just be my lifeline in this situation, but it's not that we actually really get along. Like it's just the circumstance. It's circumstantial bonding. This movie is just about the circumstances their lives that they're so discontent with and they take salvation in things that mm. eventually they realise they shouldn't, they, mm. they don't want that If much. anything, the darker thing it reveals, right, is the idea that like he is so desperate to be freed from this idea of conforming mm. because he's like, I don't want to. And then what he discovers is actually people don't just conform because their parents tell them to. Conforming is safer. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, you know what I mean? He almost realises like, oh, yes, there's a degree to which people make these choices because they're pressured from their parents or like there's that external pressure. But also it's safer to live life that way. And yeah. he almost the thing I see in that final frame is like maybe if none of this had actually been a presence in your life, you still would have just found yourself in the exact same spot. Mm. Like, and it, it means so much that's more. That's the world we live in. Like yeah. it doesn't reward like introspection and and, um, self-confidence in where you're at. It encourages safe choices. And it means so much more because the film like, yeah, does locate itself to like so like literally but also more, you know, as viewers watching it in 2021, Mm. it's located to like the 60s and like, you know, the junction between like the old and the new, like that Mm. whole wave of revolution and, um, political activism, student activism, like it's set so much of it is this college, yeah. you know, it's imbued with this like college attitude towards things and the most outrageous thing or the most, yeah, the most outrageous actions taken by anyone in the movie is by Mrs. Robinson, who is the most like establishment character. She's got, she's like a mum, a homemaker. She wears her cute little stockings. She's married to the rich guy. She lives in her little beautiful house. And she's like doing the most like radical thing of anyone in the movie, which is having an affair with a younger man. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting that that happens in the suburbs. The cool, like the most sexy thing that happens is in the suburbs where you know Benjamin's like I don't want to be here it sucks like it's so boring oh, that's so true you know and then I mean? he goes to college like and he just does the living whole, around this yeah, college and it's supposed to do at and, yeah. college yeah and he's unfulfilled by that so yeah oh I love this movie I'm so happy yeah. we're talking about it yeah me too I loved revisiting <laughs> yeah. it totally that oh, shot, man, that last one shot of them on the bus has been my, like, desktop background yeah, for, like, three years now. It's, like, <laughs> yeah, such a good shot. absolutely, yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask, just um, still talking about Mrs. Robinson, how do you mm. feel about how in the first half of the movie she's a pretty tragic character and we hear that, you know, she all, she also, like anyone, had ambitions of her own to, like, you know, study mm. art and stuff, but after getting pregnant and getting married too early she's it's clearly made her this bitter housewife like you said Meg Mm. how do you feel about the shift then on in the movie where she's like the spurned lover and almost at the end becomes a villain where it's like the whole wedding seems to sort of be her orchestration just to keep her daughter away from Benjamin yeah exactly and I wish it felt more like she was doing I, I think it would have been more interesting that it wasn't as if she'd been you know she wasn't the dejected lover, but she was the protective mother, like less about her nexus to Benjamin and more about her nexus to Elaine. And she's like, (laughs) stay away from her. She's beautiful and perfect. And she's going to live this perfect life with her new husband or, or something like that. 
Yeah, that is interesting. It, it, they do demonize her mm. and I don't think it's fair like when they've given her moments of humanity and empathy throughout the first mm. half and when she is the most interesting female character, to it, it's reductive of them to just make it, or I don't know if they just make it about, but it, it does become about this sort of revenge ploy against Benjamin to some extent. Mm. And, I mean, you can understand why, like he did reject her and he is trying to marry or be with her daughter. Mm. But at the same time, it, yeah, I, I don't know what else you could have done, but I don't know that that's no, the I best agree. choice. I, yeah. I, think it's a, I think it's a movie that like can be really good at living in uh, the in-betweens and not living in binaries and mm. being like, no, what we're dealing with is like a complicated thing. Like as mm. we've said up top, the movie like establishes that she comes on to him like very aggressively, mm. like very inappropriately. And the movie also mines a lot of comedy from circumstances that are quite bleak and dark. Mm. Like that is the nature of, you know, like of mm. the film to a degree. But therefore it's really successful at living in in-betweens of being like we know that she is a complex character. Mm. So for the, then for it to... Because I was thinking, I was like, well, I guess there is something to be said about the second that this really toxic thing starts to fall apart everyone would dig their heels in and actually, like, you know, he would demonise her from his perspective and she would sink into her toxic traits and just be like, oh, like, that guy, oh, he's the worst, he's a demon, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, for a movie that's been so effective at painting this person who's doing a pretty messy thing as doing it from a place of discontentment, then it's kind of unsatisfying to see it as reduced mm. to evil villain or something, mm. yeah. Liz, how do you feel yeah, like that? Yeah, I think there's always this, like... um question in drama and like like we're saying this movie is a rom-com by some means and also like a tragedy or like a generational mm. tragedy or drama by other like there's always this question of is it more sad that you have no control over your life and bad things will happen no matter what or that your whole life you will try to stop bad things happening but it's just destined and mm, there's no way of escaping will, yeah. it like there's not that it, it might mm. seem like there's not a difference between those two things but like I think Mrs. Robinson, it, it's like at some point we don't get to see it, but she decides, like, because I've had to suffer, I'm going to pass it on to my kids. Like, yeah. you know, like she forces yeah. Elaine into like a similar path that she did where it's like, oh, you're, you don't have any choice. And even when you try to yeah. escape it and get on that bus, everyone else on the bus is an old person that just looks at you like you're crazy yeah. because you but are. you're crazy. And yeah. you have to live with your new shitty decision. <laughs> like. Yeah, she simultaneously bemoans the lifestyle and then enforces it, like forces yeah. her daughter. I think into I just it. wish. Yeah, I, I guess yeah, maybe I wish she got to see Miss like Robinson make that decision or something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Oh, I hope we have this much yeah. to talk about with Harold and Maud. I I'm ready. I think they're really interesting forever. ones to compare. Let's give it a go. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's do it. Let's talk. Let's yeah. Let's talk about Harold and Maud. And Maud came out in 1971. It's directed by Hal Ashby and it concerns the romance between a very depressed, rich, weird little guy in seemingly his early 20s um, who 
ends up really learning from and loving and having his life changed by a geriatric Holocaust survivor played by Ruth Gordon. Um, A recurring comedy aspect of this movie is that Harold is obsessed with death and he keeps staging these elaborate fake suicides pretty much just to, like, annoy his mom, who's really domineering and just wants him to get partnered off and lead, like, this invisible, respectable life. Um, yeah. The movie starts with one of these sequences where you're like, oh, did the main character just hang themselves? Just die. The I bed? was like, oh, my God. Is this over? Are we I was jaw dropped. I was like, yeah. he's dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> How did you guys so feel? Like, for the first time watching this movie, what was your reaction to that and some of the other sequences? Because... He he does some cool shit. Like I loved when he like self immolated some dummy or whatever that was. Oh, I adore what is that the called? comedy like the of this Sikaku? film. Is that what that's called? Sipuku. Oh, the Harakiri. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Harakiri. That was so that funny. Was oh, again, that like oh the my God. real dark comedy lens of this is like mm. fucking excellent. I like, didn't I expect to laugh it. as much as I did. Like, I laughed I, so much. I really, I laughed. really loved it. Mm. I think this is the biggest one I've ever had with our show of. Watching things in comparison, making my enjoyment of one thing a little lesser because I adored this when I watched it. And then when I watched The Graduate, I realized that like there's something, I still adored Harold and Maud, but there's something so like at a distance simple about Harold and Maud that doesn't make it bad. Just like the complexity and the in-between of The Graduate to me does reflect like a malaise with life. Whereas Harold and Maud really is about this person is obsessed with death and doesn't see the point in life. And this person, Maud, is obsessed, obsessed with, life. with life and sees the beauty in everything, mm. which my main problem being that means that when they have their relationship together, when it takes that turn, I was like, oh, oh, my God, we're really going there. What what are we saying with this? Mm. And it doesn't really like... It, it still just it doesn't interrogate that, and it still just positions it as like he is obsessed with death, she's obsessed with life, and then she's like all the things she's teaching him about like how you can just translate the same approach you have for death and being like it's all inevitable, blah blah blah, and being mm. like yeah, but, it, but that's therefore a good life life mm. is inevitable as well. Mean, but then them being together like that just makes me be like oh, so you're essentially just n- straight up saying that this relationship is fine yeah. because if she does have such a perfect relationship to life why would she hmm. engage in i'm so i i just was even for dark comedy i distance like oh they shouldn't Why'd be you do together that? i don't that want you to be together <laughs> yeah. because i'm supposed to like you and now i just don't and then that's it and i was yeah. like oh why See, don't, I really I don't like why you no, I love Maud, but she does a horrible thing mm. by sleeping with this, like, that. that's like 60 years. 60. She's turning 85, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, she's turning 80, yeah. Yeah. I think I agree with her that 80 seems like a good age to go. I know. No, what, what did she say? <laughs> like, she's like, she's like should... 90 is. Yeah. No, no, she said 80 is like the age to go. 80 is the age to go. And that's yeah, why yeah, she kills exactly. herself Exactly. But I was just like, oh, but I think now my... why are you together? I just didn't get what was being said about it because everything had already been said about what the story was about. It's pretty the, clear story. The decision. I agree like, with the... you. The point that Ooh. made me like not really like Harold so much and that made me feel quite similarly well, to you don't like Noah. Harold. No, it was when he <gasps> explained his motivation for all the fake suicides was sort of because he he saw he was in that explosion at school and yeah. his mum thought that he had died he in dead. it. And she put on this little like dramatic whatever performance for like when she, she was she told. She fell into the arms of the two yeah, policemen telling her. And he, and her, he like and reveled he seeing her 
sort of like so over the top and humil like I think more than anything he did you guys get this so he likes the humiliation or enjoys the humiliation of like these elaborate mm. fake deaths and freaking people out. I'm like, that's so like mm. cruel. Like I, I, I didn't find that. But I've again, I a like, see motive. him as like a victim. Like I literally, I again, like He's the way he falls in, in love ass, with her. I'm like, this is traumatic. She's- I was just like, it's it's not really compelling to me, and I sort of wish I didn't even know it. Like I wanted to work that out or like make something oh, up for myself. Mm. Like, I get that. If I, I wasn't get that, that make you more that. annoyed if you're like no, he's just doing this to emotionally terrorize people for no reason. And I guess no, I like I that it isn't just have... like this is an edgy movie where this guy's like, like I feel like if someone like the early two thousands made this, they'd be like, I'm obsessed with death, and it would yeah. just be like a vague lame yeah, thing. So. But I kind of like just that think we know where it comes from. Supply me with such a specific. Jared Leto is Harold. <laughs> <laughs> we live exactly. in a society. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I just felt like I didn't need that. I didn't need to be supplied with such a that. specific mm. example of like the impetus I for his actions. Yeah. I was like, just ha- like as well. Maybe as well, it's kind of unfair of me to say it because they comparing it to Maud's sort of rationale for her outlook on life. She was like a, a Holocaust survivor, and that's like mm. a deeply compelling reason to take the position that she takes. Truly, this sort of sort of laissez-faire attitude where she just wants to, mm. you know, get the most out of everything mm. um, and like milk the experience of life. Whereas Harold's, I'm just kind of like compared to like the Holocaust, like it doesn't really stack up. Like, and then he's surprised about it. It just was a bit. Like it didn't, Her, it didn't his detract from my like actual enjoyment of the movie. movie. The scenes with his mother are like, oh, this mother is like literally traumatizing. Yeah, like, she's the worst. She's it's frightening like, as hell. She's horrible. She's the worst. But I literally she's, like, not the, she's not a Nazi. A real highlight scene for me was when she's filling out his dating profile and she like <laughs> never looks up once and just asking these questions to herself. And she's like... Uh, oh, like, what do you think about um, the nature of sec- conversations about sexuality these days? Oh, well, I, I, frankly, I don't even appreciate the question. No, <laughs> and stuff, you know what I mean? Just, like, having a dialogue yeah. with herself. I was like, what a funny way to, ex- like, express that this woman is like, oh, yes, my troubled child. I wonder why he's like that. And mm. it's like she runs his life. Yeah, and it's played, <laughs> like, that's such a great source of humor as well throughout yeah. the whole movie i do i i completely mm. understand what you're saying um, yeah but yeah i don't know what yeah. do you think Eliza? Yeah, Liz, to put, you yeah to put this movie in like a little bit of context you guys are not alone in thinking that maybe nothing kind of happens in this movie or finding <laughs> it's sort of life and death thing maybe a little bit off balance like when this movie came out it was a flop roger ebert hated it vincent canby said it was aggressive creepy and off-putting and the movie sort of only had this <laughs> yeah the movie only really had its revival with like gen x audiences um you know having it on tape or like watching it on tv and it became this sort of little cult gem um probably because mm. of the soundtrack but also because like it feels like it's very of its time like the fashion the film grain like the aggressive quirkiness of like that was available to 70s directors, like working with a very small mm. budget. Like Hal Ashby Maud could is the make OG this weird particular Manic Pixie Manic Dream, Pixie Dream, Dream Girl. <laughs> <laughs> the rare elderly variant of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Literally. It works much better uh, with an old lady. I yeah. fucking buy it. Yeah, She's hilarious. She has cool life again, experiences. She rocks. Dude. Again, when Maud. she does it, I'm like, dude, you. I was like 100% behind you and now you're like apparently part of your life obsession with life is also this understanding that it's okay to have a relationship with like a guy in your 20s when you're like 85 like I don't back <laughs> that I don't back that from you more sorry Liz um, on, onwards you were saying no it's okay but I was just gonna say like 
I think it's a movie that because of all that stuff, because it has this really specific tone, because the plot is kind of just they meet, they have an, a, like a movie's worth of cool dates and like fun, quirky encounters and then they fuck and then 10 minutes later she dies, she kills herself and their relationship has given Harold the strength and like the purpose to decide he doesn't want to die. Mm. Like that's all that happens. Ruin his car and plays banjo. <laughs> I feel like I don't yeah, mind. He's sick of that it, it feels like <laughs> it, it feels like I do believe that the thing he learns is something that he had to learn, and I don't mind that. Uh, maybe I do mind the simplicity of it because it feels like what happens gets solved quite but easily. That's the but I would say, like, there are not yeah. other complications. Yeah. It's just yeah. they date the whole movie. Exactly, and mm. then it ends. It's true, and it is like it. You know, the detail of his elaborate suicide schemes and um, the moments of comedy, like that's all like a sort like sources of enjoyment that mean that, you know, the simple structure of it isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like you probably couldn't get away with mm. all of the little idiosyncrasies of the characters. They're really fleshed out characters. Like they're full in nature. You might not have been able to achieve that. Um, yeah. Like accomplish that fullness if it mm. wasn't as, simple as what it sets out to do, yeah. like have this strange age gap relationship yeah. and two separate outlooks on life. Totally. But mm. at the same time, I, I just don't know. Obviously this is a point for compare the pics, but I just don't know how easy it is to come to like in comparison with The Graduate, which is so yeah. such a like a source for contention and it's ambiguous mm. and And there's a conversation deep, we like can really all deep. have about The Graduate. For, like, I reckon it's one of those movies, like, this movie could not age better. Like, literally every time you rewatch it, you're like, we're it still could. It having... could. Oh, obviously there's that one. Very, very true. <laughs> yeah. But, like, The Graduate, you're like, this is still the very problem we all have of being, like, we're, the, like young people looking up and at everyone older and being like, I'm not going to be that. And yeah. then the terror and people of being telling like, you, wait, I wish I, I was not, your but... age. You're in the best exactly. time of your life. And you're like, and being like, oh being my like, God, like, how, do I, how do I use it? How do I, what the hell, what am I supposed to be doing? How do I use that? It's like a thing we haven't solved. Whereas this is a movie about like a person learning the thing they needed to learn. Mm. But I do want to say, I feel like what really works for me in this one is like Harold is so well established. Mm. And I actually like understanding a bit where his complex around death comes from because you realise that there's a bit of, like, life in his regard for death. So when he learns the thing, mm. you believe it. Like, the idea that he's, like, again, a bit of an interpretation thing possibly, but I got the sense that, like, when he's talking about that thing, Meg, that you mentioned about the fire and how he saw his mum reacting to his death, it was that was the only time he probably ever saw his mother not bullshit and just experience and be a human. Oh, really? And you'd be like, death strips... At a funeral, everyone's just existing and not no, bullshitting and everyone's finally all. being honest. And his life is so full of, like, rich upper-class people being like, oh. oh, here's what I did with my money today. What did you do with your money today? And him just being like, are any of you... <laughs> like, there's a human grounding See, element that death brings that I think I agree found. with that interpretation. Yeah. I get that it was the performance of her responding to his death. It was a tension or validation. No, it, it was like... No, it was like... Her, he saw that she actually wouldn't be I think affected, he, you reckon? No, I think he, yeah, I think he interpreted it as disingenuous and because oh. I don't think that it was, it was Maybe, very, yeah, um, like her reaction was quite consistent with how she is in conversation with other people throughout the film. Like she's so, oh. got this facade of like 
I don't know, or hoity oh, toitiness and stuff. That even in the and I think of her son's even death, in the instance of her perform. son's death, she was performing and he saw that and almost saw how brazen it was that That's she did cool, that, that she dude. collapses Whoa. and stuff, and he just thinks Oh, like she's Liz, a, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I, I actually love that as well. That's so that's interesting. That's what I got from yeah. it. Yeah, actually, I'm going to go watch the scene again now. It can be both. I think, yeah, like, can, absolutely. Can, you know, it's him realizing yeah. that, like, death, you know, something that should be really significant, like hearing that her son isn't alive, that should be a huge moment. And then seeing, oh, if it actually happened, her reaction would be to be my mom and do what she always does. Like, it's I like, know what it would be. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and now I think he wants the reason to revel he, in that experience of seeing someone yeah. embarrass themselves after seeing like, yeah. that's what yeah. I get. Yeah, wow. after yeah. seeing that his death is like would be so meaningless, he wants to like prove its meaning and like its elaborateness and like the drama yeah. of it over and over again. Oh in, wow, and it like, like almost becomes middle. comforting to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. Um, Very interesting. Well, that's an element, I guess, that it feels more interesting to interpret. Like, if that's not what you got from it, then maybe that's unfair of me to like. No, I think it's. A, I think it's a great sign of good no way. filmmaking that we obviously can have a conversation about it. But I actually think what I'm describing is like that is an element of uh, interpretation in this film, mm. whereas most of the film is pretty obvious and clear cut, which is what didn't serve it towards the end. Where I was like, you made a story about life and death that had too many answers yeah you know yeah that's a good point yeah, yeah. i like that mm. Mm. Yeah. i think <laughs> part of what makes this movie what gets it misunderstood but also what gives it that cult appeal and the reason i love it and that reason i'm really defending it today <laughs> is that mm-hmm. this movie has a really particular focus like the stuff it focuses on and that it treats as really important is not the same stuff that's in The Graduate. And it comes through in the filmmaking as well, in like these long static shots where it's pretty much just like Harold sitting and being sad in a cool environment. Or like when he's in the hearse and he takes his hearse through a car yeah. wash. Or like when the mm. when he and Mortar in the cemetery and it does this incredible zoom out and you see that's how so many cool. graves the there are graves, in the cemetery. Yeah. Like it's partly visual but also in like the comedy of the movie. It has a really stagnant flat tone that can be really frustrating <laughs> where it's yeah. like you know you you want people to react more you want more to happen you want complications like when you see a movie you don't want to see mm. people sitting on the ground and the camera pulling back for a minute like that's what what I think got the movie buried in the first place yeah but on a second watch There's really I think no that's conflict. what's so special yeah. about it mm. yeah. just that it is yeah. so focused on feeling yeah Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it respects both the characters enough to never make fun. Mm. Even whilst what we're doing, we're laughing at the things we're going through. We're never like making fun of them. Like, which yeah, I like, like I think especially more. spend so much time would, with it them. Would be, yeah, it would be so easy to be like, oh, she's an old lady, but she fucks. <laughs> but like, she's a crazy old And like, yeah. she plays it as like a sexy character. Like, she really flirts yeah. with him and is like, oh, we haven't even talked about like, performance. She is like, have you ever, I truly am like, possibly like one of the best old, like, older performances I've, I've ever seen. I was like, yeah. I, mm. how much, Her I can just be like, is this script work? Is this oh, you? Yes, Eliza. I totally agree. I was just about what to say. What the hell? She's like mm. so real. Like, every, yeah. and I even just thought in her house, everything, I was like, you, 
I believe that you know every inch of this she place. She needs character. Like mm. for a hoard, for Chris a hoarder. Gordon. Like sometimes mm. you see with actors, like they'll be touching things or using a prop or something, and you're like, you you look like that doesn't belong to you. Mm. And she's this person who lives in this house with all these knickknacks yeah, and little you things. Her so and the much. way she like trots around it, I'm like, oh, this is your space. Trots. Such good acting. Yeah, love it. <laughs> I have some more yeah, points on this movie, but I think we should compare the pics because yeah, I can, them. yeah, it's easy to articulate yeah. in comparison. Let's, Let's press on because I think we should also get into the beautiful score of both of these movies. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. Good point. Right, Let's do it. it. The Graduate, with its soundtrack by Simon and Garfunkel, and Harold and Maud, with its more stripped back. It's it's like there's some orchestral-y kind of songs or songs with, like, backup, but it's mostly just Cat Stevens and acoustic guitar, whereas The Graduate mm. is a bit more atmospheric and a bit more pop and produced and stuff. What are your initial thoughts? Because <laughs> The Graduate is definitely better known, but mm. how did you think those songs were a fit for that movie? Mm. I love Cat Stevens' music, Same. but I think most of the, like, nothing, I don't think any songs in or any moments in Harold and Maud with the soundtrack stood out to me as, like, a memorable Cat Stevens moment. Like, I thought, oh, this sits well and it's great, the folky vibe and it's fun in part and parts and more sombre in others and... That's great, but I think the like melancholy of Simon and Garfunkel is so perfect I was say exactly for the, the same graduate. Thing. It yeah. is the perfect tone mm. of like, what are we even? What are they even singing about? They're singing about some stupid stuff sometimes, or you know, little folky lyrics. You're like, what does this mean? You don't really know, but it doesn't kind yeah. of matter because it's th- like tonally so suited. And then you have the moments of climax. You've got the little like. You know, fun. The Reese Robinson, like yeah, revamped guitar version. chucking version of oh, Miss yeah. Robinson, where it's like the Which driving so... version, where he's like, it's like a chase scene almost. And it's the perfect moment of contrast in what is a really like meditative um, movie. It just jumps into this like faster pace, and it picks it up and builds really, really well. Um, mm. But more than that, with like the Simon and Garfunkel score, it's like the moments that. Uh, like no lyrics or just like the segues. Like I think there's a soundtrack version um, that you can listen to and there's no, like all the songs blend into each other. So like the outro of one song leads into the Bits intro into the of the next. next. So right. there's those segments like yeah, um, right. old friends bookends into something is like mm. so beautiful. I'm trying to think when it was, maybe when he's going yeah, up now. at an airport or something. When, yeah, when he's at when Benjamin's at an airport, there's I thought the airport's really sound of silence when he's yeah. like coming into LA. No, not at the start, or maybe it's when he's like traveling. It's used multiple times. In oh, the film, to see, like yeah, to see Elaine. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, it's just so like stirring. So yeah, I go with Simon Garfunkel. I think sorry, cat. I think the scores for these films perfectly reflect the conversations we're having about them. Almost like I, yeah. I, like truly two of my favorite artists, hilariously. But like the Cat Stevens score is used in like a stark contrasting way throughout the movie. Like early on, it's song, it's like 
Don't it's definitely Maud's voice just let the more than Harold. Mm. On by. And it's about being like, life is good, keep mm. on going. And then he kills himself mm. and like stark contrasts life, death. Like it's quite, it's kind of selling what it is pretty blatantly. I mean, like most mm. of the songs towards the end of Harold and Maud are that such is life or like mm. life is life kind of song, which is just a song being like, you know, the general, you know, life, you got to live life, life's worth living essentially message. Whereas like. And they perform if you want to sing out, sing out. Oh, like yeah, that's what it is. If you want to sing out, other. sing out. Yeah, exactly. But The Graduate opens with Dustin Hoffman on an escalator at a very busy, busy airport. People walking past and the sound of silence plays. And it's just like, it's, it just reminds me of that sentiment mm. when you're like driving your car and you just have those like weird moments where you slip <laughs> into like, what is life? No, like, why I'm am so I doing alone. this? <laughs> Truly, like, I did yeah, not yeah. dream of labor. Like, that whole yeah. thing of just like, that is what that movie is, is the in between yeah. thing of being like, I let alone, not only do I not have, know what choices I want to make, I don't even have the impetus to want to make decisions. Mm. I don't care. Like, mm. I've got nothing going on. Mm. Just and, numbness. Like, yeah, the numbness, exactly. That's like totally what the graduate is that makes that score so like, oh, chilling. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Maybe that's the huge difference between these movies. The Graduate is this big atmospheric thing about numbness and not knowing what to do. Yeah. And it ultimately is like, even though it's more of a, uh, no, never mind, um, it is like the more pessimistic film by the end, with especially with that final shot that we were talking yeah. about. Yeah. Whereas Harold and Maud has more of a simple objective to like have this character change and get Absolutely. better and learn. Mm-hmm. And they do. And the music is sort of this cute educational like, yeah. you know, you're, you're meant like, to focus on the lyrics and stuff rather than the mm. general, yeah, like, Yeah, it's more of, like, a parable. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I think I agree with all that. Like, the cat Because Elton John was meant to do the oh, music really? Oh, really? Oh, wow. But you can kind of, yeah, that vibe comes across. Like, it's more, like, instructive. Like, it tells us what to think about the, yeah. like, the outlook of the film. I think as well, um, sort of going on, on from this if we are to like posit Harold and Benjamin against one another yeah, I want to do in the well. <laughs> exact same way. So Harold and Maud, like we are told why Harold feels the way that he does and, you know, we're supplied with the rationale and that makes him a more understandable character. Like you come away from the movie and you get Harold, I would argue, whereas I don't think you leave The Graduate knowing really about Benjamin, especially and probably most poignantly, sorry, because when you're watching it, you are kind of like, as are all the adults in the actual mm. film and like, you know, in the experience of it, there's not really a reason for why he feels like this. Like he feels so discontented and everyone's like, yeah, but like look how wealthy we are and we're in mm. like the, you know, you're living the American dream. This is all mm. you should want. You're a graduate. Aren't you so happy? Why aren't you happy? Mm. It it is so like much more interesting to me to watch a movie where this guy is so unhappy and it is a little bit like, why? And he's yeah. asking that of himself too. Absolutely. So I kind of feel like mm. it's, so, a, yeah, that, that interrogation that happens and you come away not really knowing, it means that no, 100%. it's more impactful. Your emotional me. journey with him is always changing. So yeah. you're always so invested. Like truly there's points in the movie where I'm like, oh, you poor, poor thing. And there's points in the movie where I'm like, oh, you're the fucking worst. Mm. And then by the end of the movie, I'm like, mm. I understand it all. Mm. Truly, truly, like, I know you have no idea what you're doing because, the, like, who does? Mm. Whereas you always know what 
Harold has to learn and you always kind of know he's going to learn it. Like, I, did you guys ever not think the end was going to be what the end was? Because I kind of, I didn't no, necessarily I know she was going to die, but I could even kind of see, I was like, the final image of this movie is some sort of version of him, like, by himself kind of dancing he along. He is going to have a life-affirming experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that kind yeah. of is what happens, yeah. So, um, yeah, for me it's The Graduate for that very reason. I think there's, like, I think it's very funny that we talk so much about how we attribute this movie to the era of when it came out, but it is still so applicable in that sense of the um, post-college malaise. Mm. But I think the thing that sticks with me more now is that it makes the, like, very, like, bleak point in my eyes of, yes, to a degree it's conditioning from your environment, but Mm. also no one really no like if you were left to your own devices you'd probably just fuck it up as well yeah which is really scary yeah <laughs> so yeah. so scary because it's much easier to be like everyone wants something from me but if i could just do what i wanted to do then i'd be happy and, and then it's, it's like, like he doesn't well, even know what he wants to do what do you want yeah then tell us what you want like and that's that really is, scary mm, yeah you're right it's scary but it's more meaningful yeah I it, think. I, yeah it's a big one i think it leaves people with a lot actually a real covid kind of film because people have been having these thoughts a lot you know like you know yeah, all those tiktoks of people being like <laughs> So I've been inside for a year and now I'm like a non-binary socialist. <laughs> yeah. Like what's happened? You know, like that's I'm a what this now. year has been. Yeah, yeah, exactly. People have been like, I've had a lot of time to think. That's so kind of what the TikTok is as good with. as The Graduate. Okay. Oh, great. yeah. Um, 100%. Anyway. Um, and, and way shorter <laughs> as well. Get me in, get me out. 60 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to say something. Uh, I, I don't want to give my verdict quite yet, but something yeah. that – watching both these movies, I thought The Graduate did better than Harold and Maud was both mm. movies, maybe by necessity, they have a lot of like straw man characters where it's like, oh, the parents who don't understand yeah. and like they're oppressing you and like holding you down, man, and stuff. And like in Harold and Maud, the mom is just, like we said, she's just a monster. <laughs> she's like, she's hilarious, mm. but she's a terrible parent. Whereas yeah. I forgot that in The Graduate, like his parents aren't really that oppressive like his mom even no, was really understanding yeah. there's yeah, a really nice scene where she's like i want to know what you're doing and when he's like being evasive and doesn't want to say oh i'm fucking one of your family friends mm. she's like well you know what i just wanted to know and you come and tell me when you're ready i was like oh that was very modern of her yeah, yeah wow. so, i agree and it, it was cool to see that like it, it yeah. makes it more um like it it yeah, it, it adds this extra Like the layer. pressure on him is more nebulous. It's not, yeah, exactly. oh, I'm doing oh. this because my parents told me to. Yeah. Exactly. Or like, you know, my parents, I feel so oppressed by them specifically. Yeah. It's no, you know, individual mm. person's fault in this like yeah. world. Like they're a bit and much, maybe, but they're not cruel to To a to degree, him, I like can't remember, does he, does he ever kind of position like, oh, my parents put all this pressure on me I and think stuff. so much of especially the first sort of half when he's like interrogating his own sadness is him trying to do that is him trying to attach the reason that he's so discontented and upset he's trying to attach it to a specific thing like he's being like oh you know I, I don't really want to go to like a business school or I don't really want to you know be at this party with all my parents friends or I just want to sit mm. in my pool and tan or which yeah. I want to do too Benjamin don't yeah. worry. um but <laughs> you know like I think like it's him trying to do that and attach, like make it oh, someone yeah. else's problem that he feels so. I, and it's I not 100% agree. Fault. It's like it's like the you know mechanics of life. Like, yeah, sorry, I, Ben, I, I don't think, know how to break it to you. I think whilst to a degree, yes, it is the pressure <laughs> from his parents. Like, yes, his dad is like stop hanging out by the pool and get your shit together. Mm. But I totally agree that part of the entire story of of Benjamin is the idea of him being like. 
oh, my parents want me to be this thing. And it's like, actually, if you probably went to them and really knew what you wanted to do, I bet they would listen. Or like, I think actually, it's just another version of projecting and be like, everyone wants me to be something. And it's like, actually, isn't the real problem. You don't know what you want to be. Like how much is it other Yeah, it's more an absence in his life rather than in Harold and Maud, where it's like actual, like outer oppressive oppressive forces. And when when it is so, sorry, extrinsic, it's in Harold and Maud, it's easier to remove yourself from it like it's easier to oh, remove yeah. yourself yeah because you're like I don't have a terrible yeah you're like my like mum doesn't do that and my life's <laughs> great <laughs> whereas yeah I totally. think in the graduates like you know nothing is specifically that bad for him totally that caused that mm. so why I does everything choosing, feel so bad yeah. yeah the graduate too I think I was it's a bit unfair I was always going to pick the graduate Doi. it's totally one of my favorites yeah. and I brought it to the table saying I really wanted to talk about it but I am glad that I got to see it through the lens of comparing it with Howard and Maud. I agree. Really it made fun me one for investigate, me. Yeah, totally. Um, the character of Benjamin a lot more as well. So it just makes me think a lot about like plot, like what kind. Obviously, a personal taste is always part of movie watching, but I just find it interesting to be like, oh, this is a real experience I've had where like, I I think I used to enjoy something that more like left me with a cleaner message or like mm. left with a very neat bow. Mm. And I realized in this, I was like, oh, like I love on this show when the contrast isn't just like story elements or something but like how are we thematically putting together a film that puts these seemingly on the surface very similar stories actually in really interesting contrast Mm -hmm. yeah liz how about you Hmm. regardless of your choice (sighs) i am alone in selecting harold and maud as really oh really quirky movie that doesn't Eliza's win. Eliza's such an indie girl. She's like culty and cool. Whoa. You're <laughs> the man who keeps you doing girl. Is it, is it, oh my um, God, thank you. Is a big part of that just like the, yeah, like the element that like the quirky, like the, the tone of the comedy is so distinct for you that it edges it over the graduate a bit? I wonder. I think a lot of the stuff we've been saying about the graduate in a good way, like, oh, it's so relatable now. It speaks to like a whole generation. Like it's very relatable the opposite is what I love about Harold and Maud, that it is so determinedly quirky. Mm. If, like, I can totally understand that this someone would find this movie really treacly and annoying and too mm. sentimental. But to me, like, I just get so moved by it and think it's really funny. And the fact that it's, like, the whole movie's message is, like, you know, you, you, we've seen plenty of Manic Pixie Dream Girls. We've even covered some on this podcast. Mm. And typically... The, that narrative is a guy learns that life is good and romance can fix you. But in the end of this movie, the fact that they prolong Maud's suicide to like the last two minutes of the movie, <laughs> I find that like so hard to accept, but also so beautiful that it's like, you know, even if you find romance, you all die. Everyone will die. Oh my God, and, like, how good is the line that's where... Great. Like, <laughs> Sorry, just in that exact bit, how amazing is the yeah. line where um, he's like, but I love, like, she's, like, about to, like, you know, she's, like, going to the hospital because she's going to die. And mm. he's, like, I, but I love you. And she's, like, that's wonderful. Go love some more. Oh, oh my God. How good is yeah. that line? Like, so yeah. good. Literally, like, it's a similar awesome. thing that we've You'll commented on in people. her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where it's, like, um, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know what else I have to say about it. I think also just the fact that, like, the... Like I said before, the focus of the movie, that any bits that could be dramatic, apart from that bit where Harold reveals why he does his suicides or whatever, most of the drama is really kept off screen. Like when you see him crying because Maud has died, it's you don't hear what he's saying. It's like muted out by the soundtrack. Yeah. Like this movie is so focused on its particular vision and its characters 
in a way that I think the graduate sort of avoids in order to tell a more universal story. And I would rather go for the maybe more unsuccessful but specific and unique story. <laughs> yeah, so I'm absolutely. going for more. Oh, that is interesting. Well, I'm glad it wasn't a complete sweep because I really enjoyed Harold and Maud. For two interesting, really interesting movies, I'm glad, yeah. And a good one to recommend to people as well. Like I feel like people would, a lot of people would enjoy that kind of film, you know? Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's funny. The bit where it he pretends funny. that it's very like, funny. Maud like, is truly a, funny. like peace peace <laughs> protester and he pretends to be beating the shit out of her and pushing her into the ocean or whatever. Like <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah, it's yeah. Really... Let's let's push on to our little triplet in the attic. Triplet. Woo-hoo! Yahoo! <laughs> It's time for Triplet in the Attic. We're each going to pick a third piece of media that would be really complementary to our double feature today of The Graduate and Harold and Maud. Um, Noah, would you like to announce your triplet first? Yeah, sure. I have a great one for this. I'm really excited about it, actually. Um, And also it will make mum happy because mum is a big fan of uh, Peter Bogdanovich and uh, Polly Platt. Mm. Well, she's a bigger... Being a fan well, of Holly Platt, exactly. Essentially, yeah. it's a, doesn't need any more It's a classic case of, you know, a man kind of being like, oh, look at this thing I made. And it's like, well, actually, his uh, yeah. his wife, and uh, who on most of his films did like production design or costume design, is actually kind of quite instrumental to the success of the film, which would be completely fine if he was up front and acknowledged that. But Peter Bogdanovich has always been like, no, it's all bullshit. And everyone else is like, well, it's not all bullshit because everyone agrees, which makes it seem worse that you're denying it, actually. Anyway, um, my pick is The Last Picture Show uh, from 1971. Mm, it's so an excellent coming-of-age film that has... Oh, yeah, because Cloris Leachman. Yeah, Cloris Le- the wonderful Cloris Leachman uh, who passed away um, a few months ago. It gives the most incredible performance as... Um, it's similarly to both these movies, like an older woman sleeping with a, a younger, much younger man. Um, and this is, think, I think all these films have elements of that kind of link later quality of like a town or like a mm. community, an ensemble of people existing in a space. Um, and it's just about like a, a, an American town that's kind of dying um, and everyone's leaving. Uh, and... Oh, and it's Sybil Shepherd as it's well. It's Sybil Shepherd, it? oh. yeah, exactly. Ellen Bernstein, a very young Jeff Bridges. I think his first movie role. Um, hmm. And yeah, Cloris Leachman is absolutely the best part of it in a story about a mother, uh, a, a, like a, a housewife who's just so discontent. And um, yeah, the, the nature of how that like inappropriate relationship or that affair comes about is so believable and fully fleshed out. You just like your heart screams for her. She's so incredible in it. I would recommend it to everyone. Mm. I like absolutely adored it. It's a really good film. The guy sucks though, right? Like the main character. Do you find him really boring? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I also understand too. I'm like, again, you don't deserve Chloris. But in the, I understand that boy. Like I have many a thing that I've been like, oh, you anxious, dumb boy. Why did you do that thing? You know what I mean? Obviously not to that degree or in this <laughs> circumstance, but like, 
I feel like almost that's part of the tragedy of what happens is her being like, mm. he treats me like a piece of shit because he's he's a boy. He's a teenage boy. Yeah. Like he's literally like he's like just finished just school. Just that she has so much more awareness than him and he's like this naive guy who's like, oh, you want to kiss me? Okay. I think it's part of like, the embarrassment. So Absolutely. I think it's part of the embarrassment mm. she feels is being like, oh, my God, literally this like I'm obsessed and like so um, my, my entire emotional well-being is dependent on this like child like this like well he's not a child but like you know a young man who like literally is so clueless yeah yeah the last has no idea show. what i'm going through <laughs> yeah truly that's a great one noah and i'm gonna link to the um Thanks. the polly platt series the invisible woman that um uh yeah. Karina yeah. recently did we'll put that in the show notes too um, meg what about you um okay my pick is a little bit of a um, it's not such a neat little tight nexus between the themes, but whatever. My movie does portray an age difference relationship where there's like an age gap. Mm-hmm. It's a bit more problematic in this one, especially because it's like oh. played by James Franco and he's like a teacher and he's sleeping with like a young student. Oh. But the movie is Palo Alto. It's like a little indie written um, or adapted for the screen by Gia Coppola and directed by her as well. And it's got um, Val Kilmer's son, Jack, in it and Emma Roberts, oh. um, who just is always in coming-of-age movies. Um, but it's, like, really yeah. nice. It's, like, a sweet little watch. Um, I think thematically I would attach it to the movies that we've spoken about today because of, like, the age gap relationship but also because of, like, the discontentment that the characters feel, especially Emma Roberts' character, April. She, like, is very um, sort of monotone and, like, doesn't really care about much at all, has this affair with her, like, high school teacher, but it's not really so much about that. It's it's just more about them living in Palo Alto in California and being a bit discontented and trying to come of age but sort of being a little bit too bored with everything to do it mm. very interestingly. And, yeah, it's cute. Yeah. It's quite easy to watch. I feel like I hear about it all the time but I've never it's seen it. It's pretty good. It's a bit soapy and it's it's, you know, definitely like an indie, like, aesthetics like you know buzzword indie movie but yeah. I like it um and I think yeah so it's James Franco is the older one in the relationship yeah it's actually it's um Have you seen it, it was written by I, best, I know Meg you watched there was a while where you watched it quite frequently yeah I watched it quite a bit just because it's really easy to watch um it's a little bit soapy but it's really easy to watch it's like adapted from a short story by Gia so Gia Coppola adapted a short story written by James Franco and then James Franco who does engage in very problematic age gap relationships and mm. has like been yeah. known to message young <laughs> right. girls. Like, plays, wow, like, what a stretch for him yeah, to play exactly. a teacher who has sex exactly. inappropriately with his students. But, yeah, I really, I really recommend it. It shows um, like Jack Kilmer and um, Emma Roberts in it have a really sweet little dynamic on screen so I recommend it very much because of that. Um, mm. But yeah, it's like it's an easy-ish watch, and it's good, and it's one that I like to put on. So yeah, I'm recommending it to our listeners. It's done. Yeah, sweet shit, Liz. I am gonna recommend the scene in B movie where Barry B Benson is in his pool, and it's meant to be a parody of The Graduate. But also, <laughs> mainly, I'm gonna recommend Ruth Gordon herself, this amazing actress, oh. writer, author, oh. whatever. Um, she and her husband, Garth and Kanan, they're sort of like the the dream of like a showbiz relationship where 
they they've they almost wrote all of Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn's movies like um any movie that's like a battle of the sexes like um Adam's Rib which is like a court movie or Pat and Mike a double life like mm. this husband and wife couple the the dynamic that people love about Hepburn and Tracy mm. is really the dynamic between Ruth Gordon and Garson Kane and so uh. it's so fun those movies are just good to watch but if you can read any Anything that Ruth Gordon has ever written or said, including her really cute Oscar acceptance speech for Rosemary's Baby, where oh. when she got on stage, she said, like, oh, thank you. You have no idea how, like, encouraging an award like this can be. And at the time, she was, like, almost 80. So it was, like, very cute, Aww. like, acknowledgement that she's, like, I've been doing this for, like, all my life. Like, she started acting in, like, 1912 or something. <laughs> and so just wild. never stopped. And, like, maintained such a high level of quality and authorship in everything she did. So she's just the best, like. That is, like, a gorgeous yeah, career. That's not that's a good incredible. recommendation, but just be yeah. aware of her and look her up. <laughs> know her. No, love that. That's cool. Totally. I really want to know more about her now. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Literally so wild when actors are, like, you know, get an Oscar in their 50s or 60s or something and they're, like, yeah, like people don't realize, like, because now you see us, like, on the stage, or whatever, that it's like, oh, wow, they've been acting for 60 years. It's like, I feel like I've been acting for like five years because I, my career's only been good now for like five, <laughs> 10 years. You like, only it care was about a lot of now. shit before this, yeah. you know? Brian yeah. Cranston always says that. He's mm-hmm. like, it was so bad for like most of it. And then, and then it instantly he, it was just great. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> awesome. wow. That's great so episode. Yeah, I this love this. Really fun. Yes. I like talking about the, like, both of these movies. Yeah, fun comparison. Yeah. I hope if listeners, if you agree and you had a fun time hearing about these, do you say May December romance? Is that something people say? May December? I don't remember. Whatever. Hearing about these May December relationships, you know how people say that, like, oh, they have a May December, or like they have a, you know, oh, like yeah, it's like one person is in like, uh, no, it's like one person is in like the May of their life, and one person's like gonna die. They're in like the December. (laughs) Oh, I thought you. I thought you were talking about how people get like together between May and December, so that they have like a boyfriend during like winter. I thought you were talking (laughs) about relationships where it's like people who are like between a Taurus and like a Sagittarius yeah, I which is that. which like, is me and my partner so I was feeling a little bit offended for a second. <laughs> oh you were like all right whatever then no, no well I think it's May December is the month that you always say yeah if you liked both of these movies about that topic why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts that's like the main way that we find new listeners or if you want just Tell someone in your, in your real life about this podcast because word of mouth is also a great way to get mm. more people listening along. And if you have anything else that to let us know or, you know, you have a great idea of your own that we should cover, shoot us an email at twinpixpodcast at gmail.com and you can also interact with us on our Facebook, our Insta, and we're going to link to those below. Um, that it. I believe that's it for this week, guys. We next week, uh, for next week's episode, if you want to watch the movies to be up to date, we are going to um, you know, we, we're really empathizing with Eliza's plight in quarantine. So we're doing two claustrophobic thrillers. Did you just pronounce the L in claustrophobic? <laughs> claustrophobic. You don't pronounce the L. Claustrophobic. Yes, you do. Meg, are you taking what? your cues from Jenna Collins when she says, kidding? I'm claustrophobic, Darren? I thought the L was silent. What? When has an L ever been silent? It's claustrophobic. I've never heard that. Oh, that's I've a really interesting I've been saying claustrophobic, one. and I am claustrophobic. So I, <laughs> yeah, you like, are claustrophobic. <laughs> I, 
I've been saying I'm claustrophobic. I mean, it kind of sits in the back of the mouth, so like so it's pretty like easy to not say it and it not be apparent that you've not said it. Wow, we're learning new things every day. I'm so happy for you, man. I embarrassed myself. I got so close. No, you came in strong. Good for you. No, you got to back yourself up. Anyway, two claustrophobic thrillers. Uh, room and panic room. So mm. the room, the door's always open to this room where we do the podcast <laughs> and you can listen to room. it. Let's wrap it up. I need some oh, room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need some room space away from you. All right. Oh. Very keen. Bye. See you then, Goodbye, everyone. Bye, darkness, my old friend. Bye, darkness. See you around See darkness. See you, darkness. Bye. 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 Bye, darkness. Get safe, darkness. Friend. Bye. <laughs>